0: Hey everyone, and thank you for joining us for The Well at STSA Church, where we are always seeking to bring an ancient faith to a modern world. And if that's something you're passionate about as well, I hope you'd consider joining us for a special event on Labor Day weekend, August 31st and September 1st. That's when we'll be hosting our first ever Open House event, where you can get a behind the scenes look at everything we do at STSA. Over the course of two days, you'll get to hear not only from me, but also from our staff and lead volunteers, the people on the front lines of the ministry, through a variety of breakout sessions that you can choose from. And on top of that, you'll get to experience a full weekend at STSA, where you'll have a backstage pass to everything from setup to cleanup and everything in between. This is our way of sharing what we've learned over the past seven years and hoping that you could benefit from that experience as you seek to bring an ancient faith to your modern world as well. You can learn more at stsaministries.org. That's stsaministries.org. I hope to see you there. Now, let's get to this week's message. And welcome to the well here at STSA. I have missed being here. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm so thankful for the guest speakers that we had the past few weeks who gave me a chance to kind of take off for a little bit. But as much as I appreciate them, I'm back, and I'm staying here for a little bit of time, and I got some fun stuff to share with you guys today, so let's just jump straight in. We're starting a new series today called Starting Small. Let me give you the context of where this series is coming from, because it's something, it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and anyone who knows me knows I could talk about this subject for a long time, and like I said, I've been packing it in for four weeks, so I got to jump straight in here, because I got a lot to share. Summer is winding down. And as summer winds down, I know it's not quite done yet, but the schools are starting earlier and earlier every year. A lot of people are moving into town, start their program, their semester, whatever it may be. As summer winds down, summer's kind of a chaotic time, especially if you've got children, and it's time for the chaos to kind of start to dwindle down. It's time to pack away that sunscreen and those flip-flops and start to get back to life and structure and routine and all those kinds of things. If you got kids in your house, like I got kids in my house, summer is not a time for routine or structure or anything. Kids wake up at 11 o'clock, okay, kids watch TV all day. Honestly, I don't know if my kids have brushed their teeth since June. I honestly don't know, and I don't want to know the answer to that. But all I know is it's winding down, and now it's time to look forward to, like, getting back to routine, getting back to structure. And as I think that way, and you may think the same thing, like I said, starting a new job, starting an internship, starting a semester, getting the kids to start the new school year, kind of going back to the the, the flow of life. You think, as most people do, in terms of what do I want to accomplish? We think in terms of goals. We think in terms of results. I want to start this new year, and I want this year to be the year that, and then fill in the blank. Okay, this is the year that, you know, I spend more time at home. This is the year that, you know, I leave the office at six. This is the year that if I'm a student, it's it's three five, nothing below three five. This is the year that I don't waste all the time procrastinating on the, like, this is the year. And we usually think in terms of results, what to accomplish and setting goals. Now, anyone who knows me knows, I love goals. I love goals. I have a process every year where every year I start the year and I set my goals and I'm like meticulous about judging myself and evaluating myself where I am against my goals. I believe in the process, personal goals. Me and Marianne do like family goals. I'm big into goals. Goals are important. But you know what I discovered? I'll let you in on a little secret. Goals are not the true indicator of your success. The number one indicator of whether you will be successful or not Is not the goals that you set it's not and i'll prove it to you think about it for a second everybody here in this room pretty much has the same goals right like don't we all have the same goals what are your goals for the new year all right i want to lose 10 pounds i want to you know advance in my career i want to read the bible more i want to spend less time on my phone Okay, I want to be more involved with my children. Like everybody has the same goals. Our goals really aren't that different. We may word it differently or may emphasize different things, but the majority of us have pretty much the same goals. However, the results are quite varied. So what that leads me to say is that just setting a goal isn't enough. You'd have two people with the exact same goal and completely different results because setting a goal isn't the true indicator of whether or not you'll be successful. I think there's a better indicator and that's what we wanna talk about here in this series. I'm a sports guy, so if you're a sports, you make this make sense to you, but even if you're not, it's just intuitive. In sports, every game has a winner and a loser. They both have the same goal. Don't the winner and the loser go into the game with the same goal? Doesn't every team start the season with We're gonna win the championship this year. We're going for number one. I can't imagine there's a coach out there who's like, fourth place, baby. We're going for four. That's us. And it's gonna be amazing. Like, no coach has that. Every team has the exact same goal, but the results are quite varied. Every marriage starts off the same. Like, is there a marriage out there that's like, you know what? Our goal is like five, seven years. Like, if we get to 10, like, that's gravy, okay? No one has, everyone has the same goals, But the results are quite varied, and that leads me to say the following. What's the true difference between the winner and the loser in the football game? What's the true difference between the winner and the loser when it comes to grades academically? What's the difference when it comes to the marriage that makes it and the one that's hanging by a thread? It's not goals. I believe it's systems because goals, goals don't determine success. I believe systems do. And I'm going to use the word systems and another word interchangeably, habits. Okay, but I want to use the word systems because I'm a systems guy. I studied systems uh, information, okay, and I was a consultant, and I worked in MIS, Management Information Systems. I believe in systems. I'm all about systems. I believe the students who get the best grades are not the ones who have the best goals, but the ones who have the best systems for how to study and when to study and when, when not to go out. I believe the marriages that have the best success, are not the ones that have the highest goals. If we wanna be happy, everyone has that goal, but the ones who have the system, we pray together this often, we do date night here, we don't allow our family to get between us. I believe spiritually, in every aspect of life, financially, spiritually, any aspect of life, the ones who find success is not based on the goals, but is based on the systems that are in place to reach those goals. Goals are great for setting direction, We wanna go this way. We wanna be happily married for 50 years. That's great, or 60 years, or however long, for the rest of our life, okay? That's a great goal, it sets the direction. But the direction enough isn't gonna get you there, it's the habits that become the walkway to get you to that goal. There's a great book out there, it's called Atomic Habits. Some of you may have read it by an author named James Clear. One of the things he says in it is this. He says, "You you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. That's a good one. Everyone's pulling out their phone to take a picture. That's worthy of taking a picture. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. So let me ask you about your systems. You wake up every morning. What's the first thing you do? You wake up in the morning and pray? Or you wake up in the morning and check your phone? That's a system. You open up your Bible to read? Or you open up the CNN or the news or the whatever it may be to read that first? That's a system. You set your alarm in the morning. You and your coworker, you all are supposed to get to work at the same time. One of you set it five minutes early. One of you set it five minutes late. That's a system. You go out to eat. Some people eat out four times a week. Some people eat out three times a week. Two times. That's a system which will lead to your physical success as well as your financial success. And when you go out to eat, is your system a supersize that bad boy or you just get the medium size like every normal person? You have a system, and I'm saying to you, it's that system that determines your results. And for those of you who are saying, no, no, Father Anthony, you're a little uptight up there. I'm not not uptight. Like, I'm relaxed. I'm going with the flow. I'm, as my wife always says, laid back, okay? Laid back. Look at this. You have a system. You just may not realize it. Everyone has a system, and your system, listen carefully to this. Your system, if you want to know if it's a good system or not a good system, look at the results in your life. Your system is perfectly designed to give you the results that you're getting today. So your physical health is a direct result of your system for exercise and eating. Direct result. You don't like the results? No one set a higher goal. Change your system. Your spiritual growth is a direct result of your spiritual system. Your relationship with your children is a direct result of your system in dealing with them. You want better results? You need a better system. You're okay with the same s- results, keep the same system. But I'm telling you, you will not get better results from the same system. You need to change the system. Now, as I said, everyone knows how passionate I am about systems, about goals about having routines and habits. Everyone knows that about me. Like I got a system for everything. And you think I'm joking, you come ask me. and I will tell you my system for everything. I believe that instead of going willy nilly into the day, you think it through, come up with the best plan, and you copy and paste until you come up with a better plan. I got a system for how I eat. I can tell you exactly what I'm going to eat next Thursday for my afternoon snack at 2.30, exactly what time it'll be. You think I'm joking, okay? I have a system for my food. So right now, like I could tell you that, you know, the next two days I'll be operating on my weekday non-fasting summer schedule of eating, which is different than my weekday non-fasting school year schedule, which is different than my weekend or my fasting schedule for either one of those. I come up with a system every season of the year, go over it with Marianne, this is the menu at exactly the times I'm going to be eating. You think I'm laughing, you think I'm joking, come visit my house, you'll see. I have a system for when I change my toothbrush, and I hope you do as well for the sake of us all. And I know some people ask, people listen, people are just like, I don't know, I just change it when it gets frilly. That's not a good system. I one time was told, I remember when we were young, we heard the thing, you should change your toothbrush every three months. That's what they said. Every dentist said every three months. I heard that first thing I said is, I can make it four. I can go there and I did the math. If I can go three toothbrushes a year instead of four, the savings that I could do. So I changed my toothbrush three times a year. And I'll tell you exactly when I change it. My birthday is end of August, August 29th. Approximately four months from there is my brother's birthday, April 26th. So there's four months, so there's one. Approximately four months from before that is Jesus's birthday, it's December 25th. So it's Jesus's birthday, my brother's birthday, and my birthday and that's when I change my toothbrush it's very simple system okay my haircuts you I can you know when I get my next haircut you can right now go to your calendar and you can figure out when father Anthony will get his next haircut because it's a very simple system it's not very complicated I go on the Monday or Saturday closest to the 15th of the month it's very simple that way I don't have to look in the mirror and figure it out I go to the calendar when's the 15th what's the closest Monday or Saturday boom I go to Milton and there we go how long have I been going to my same barber? 1988, I've been going to the same barber since 1988, which is you know, old. I get that. That's older than most of you. I'm 31 years, okay, going in and I'm going for 32, okay? And either he's gonna die or like something like, I don't know what I'm gonna do when he goes down because I've not gotten a haircut since 12 years old with anyone other than Milton. And you say, wow, it's amazing that he's with one barber. You know the amazing part? I've been getting the same haircut since 1988 as well. <laughs> I believe in systems. I believe in systems. I believe you find what works and you just keep on going with it. And there was a man named Aristotle who kind of said the same thing. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. Excellence is not an act, but a habit. Let me say that another way. Here's our key thought for this series. I'm gonna repeat it every week, and I want you to ingrain this in your head for the rest of your life. Successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. Successful people in any aspect of life do consistently what other people do occasionally. People who are successful financially do consistently what others do occasionally. They have a system. The system is I eat at home, I don't eat out. The system is that I delay gratification. As soon as I want something, I don't go for it. I delay gratification. The system is I don't invest my money unless I've done some research and know exactly where I'm investing my money. Successful people financially have a system for the money that comes in and the money that goes out. Health, people who are healthy into their, into their elder, into the silver years of life. Of course, there's diseases and sickness and that kind. Of, those are kind of the exception. But those who have generally good health are not people who just randomly were blessed by God and just randomly happened or people who made massive changes to their lives. You know the people who are successful health-wise? The people who have a lifestyle. People who have a lifestyle of, it, like I said, not supersizing. The people who have a lifestyle of going for the bowl of fruit versus the bowl of ice cream. People have a lifestyle of hitting the gym on a consistent basis or taking the stairs instead of the elevator, it's systems. How about relationally? People who are successful relationally are people who have a system. And that system is I invest more time face to face than thumb to thumb. I have a system, if I wanna be successful relationally, that when I'm with people, the phone goes down and I'm present, I'm not distracted with any person. Especially the people who are closest to me. People who are successful relationally when you hear me stand up here and say, we're doing groups. People who say, you know what? I don't have time, but I will make time because that is important to me and I want to be successful relationally. Same is true spiritually. You want good spiritual results? Anyone who has a deep connection to God, anyone who feels the presence of God in their life, anyone who trusts in God and has that faith that can move a mountain, they didn't get there by accident. It's people who have a system for fasting, for praying, for praying, for giving, for Bible? Because successful people do consistently but other people do occasionally. Now, if you're sitting there listening to me and you're like, yeah, Father Anthony, I know that, but I just can't, okay? I'm not a disciplined person. I'm just, I'm, not, like I have tried and tried and tried to be disciplined. I have tried to do the Bible thing. I've tried to stop overeating. Like I tried to stop smoking. Like I tried to get up, like I tried and I tried and I tried. And I'm just not a disciplined person. It's just not for me. Well, I would say that you're not in, in bad company there. Because let me show you what one of the toughest, most disciplined people on the face of this planet who ever walked on this earth, St. Paul, listen to what he says in Romans chapter 7, verse 15 and 19. He says, what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Anybody, everyone, a lot of people nodding their heads. This is one that you could just put this up in every one of our bedrooms and be like, amen. Like any one of us could have written this right here. And I am thankful that the toughest guy, tough as nails, disciplined guys, St. Paul, said these exact same words. What that says to me is if you struggle with building good habits, you're in good company. You're not alone. We're all in the same boat. No one came out the womb. No one came out their mother's womb ready to to, to set consistent habits in every area of life. Anyone who has done it has gone through struggles just like we all have, but together we can make some growth. So here's what we're gonna do in this series. We're going to start starting next week. We're gonna talk about kind of the spiritual principles as well as like the psychological principles behind setting systems and establishing good habits and stopping bad habits. We're gonna talk about that and I promise, we're gonna get practical and into details and kind of like the how of it all. But this week, what I wanna do is kind of take a step back and look at it from a little bit of a higher level. And the first thing that we wanna do, if we're gonna talk about big changes that start small, all big things start small beginnings. First, I want to look at why is it that it is so hard for us to make changes? Why is it so hard that we struggle? And I got three reasons why, and I think you'll agree with me by the time I finish. The first reason, I believe, is because we often focus on what, but don't understand how. We focus on what, but we don't understand how. We know what we want to accomplish. Like I said, we set goals, but we have no idea how to make those goals a reality. I know what I want. I want to get out of debt. I want to stop smoking. I want to stop procrastinating, wasting time online. I want to fit into that dress. I know what I want, and I know what I want to accomplish it, and I know exactly when I want it. But again, kind of like I was saying in the beginning, so does everybody else. Like, everybody wants to fit in that dress. That's why you want to fit in it, because no one else does. Everyone wants to get out of debt. Everyone wants to stop wasting. Like everyone, like no one walks into this year and says, I want to get bigger this year. That's what I want to do. I want to go big this year. No one says, I want to become addicted to one new thing every year. One new addiction for 2020. That's my goal for the new year. Nobody says that. Everybody says what? And it's the same. But the problem is we struggle with the how. Back to sports. What's the goal of every sporting event? Let's Say you're playing a game of basketball, a game of soccer. What's the goal? The goal is, with the exception of golf, okay, golf, leave golf, okay. The goal of every sport is by the end of the game, you look at the scoreboard and you have more points than the other team. Golf is the opposite, you want less points, okay. So scoreboard in basketball, soccer, football, you look at the scoreboard and the goal is the scoreboard would say that I have more points than the other team. Are you gonna be successful by staring at the scoreboard the whole game being like, come on, go, 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 go? If you want to be successful, you actually have to forget the scoreboard and focus on the process on the field. The scoreboard will take care of itself. That was Bill Walsh, by the way, who said that. Bill Walsh was a famous football coach, one of the geniuses of pro football. He said that you take care of of what happens on the field, of the process, be faithful in the process. Scoreboard will take care of itself. And the same is true in life. We focus on the results. How do I get those results? Wrong focus. Focus needs to be on the process and what do I need to do today so that those results take care of themselves. Someone in scripture who I believe was very good at this, a guy who had great results spiritually, a guy who was a true man of God, a guy who was a beacon in the midst of a dark, dark, dark world, man of integrity, man of, of, of who stood strong in the face of all kinds of hardship, a guy named Daniel. You may have read it. He wrote a book in the Old Testament. It's called the book of Daniel, very creatively named, okay? And Daniel did amazing things, filled with the spirit of God. Okay, he's the guy who was thrown in the lion's den, and he took the lions down. The lions were scared of of Daniel. Okay, the lions didn't touch Daniel. Well, let me show you two verses about who Daniel was, the process of Daniel that led to the result that we all want and that we all know about. Two verses. First is chapter 1, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Context here. Daniel was a Hebrew child, okay, born child of God, child of Israel, but they were, he, was born in, or he was taken into captivity. So he's living in Babylon where there's a whole new set of rules. They had their Jewish principles of, of fasting, what to eat and not eat. But over here in Babylon, nobody cared about any of that stuff. So most people forgot about the rules of God, but not Daniel. You never hear Daniel say, when in Rome. You never hear Daniel say, those outdated, antiquated rules from the motherland. We don't, we don't do those rules here. You never heard Daniel say, no, no, why do I need to fast? No one else around me is. Never heard Daniel say any of that. Daniel said, I'm going to fast. But no one else is fasting. I'm going to fast. But everyone's offering you the good food. But I'm going to fast. But there's not many good food options. But I'm going to fast. Daniel had a system. You never heard Daniel Take a a complaint about the system, you see him stick strong. Next verse, I'm gonna show you from chapter six, but I'll give you a little context before we read it, okay? If you fast forward the story of Daniel, he is, like I said, he's a foreigner in this land of Babylon, and he starts to work his way up the government uh, ladder, and the king really likes Daniel, really likes him, because he's like a man of God, man of integrity. So the king starts to promote Daniel all the way up near the top. Okay, now Daniel's colleagues, his co-workers, the other governors are jealous of him. How this foreigner comes in and like the king loves him and he's like the sweetie pie of the king and he's like a brown noser and whatever. So they try to sabotage Daniel. The king wants to promote Daniel to the top and the other guys conspire and they come to the king and say, hey, king, we love you. Everyone loves you. We love you. You're the best king. Hey, let's come up with this rule. And they trick the king into signing a rule which says that anybody who prays to any other God other than you for the next 30 days will be thrown in the lion's den. Kings back then kind of had an ego problem. They all thought they were God, okay? So they wanted to be prayed to and worshiped. So these other guys said, anyone who prays to any God except you, throw him in the lion's den. And the king signed that decree, not knowing that it was gonna cause problems for one of his lead guys, Daniel. Daniel hears about that law. This is what happens. Daniel chapter six, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and what did he do when he went home? What do you think he did? It says, in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, meaning not in private, just the way he always was, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Uh, you can cross out the word custom, and uh, you can say, as was his system from his early days. Daniel had a system. My system is I pray three times a day. I pray in the morning, I pray in the afternoon, I pray in the evening. No, no, but Daniel, they just signed a thing that says you can't pray. Hmm, I got a system. My system is this is what I do. Daniel didn't come home and complain. Daniel didn't come home and put on the social media about his injustice and his unfair, whatever it may be. Daniel didn't sit there and badmouth the king. Daniel says, I got a system. My system is three times a day I stand here like this. And he did his system. Daniel prayed on good days and bad days. Daniel prayed on sunny days and cloudy days. Daniel prayed when, it, when he was sad, when he was happy, when he was frustrated, when he was overjoyed. Daniel had a system, and that system led to the results that we see in him. Why was Daniel so gifted? Or I'm sorry, why was Daniel so strong against the lion? Why was Daniel so faithful? Why w- Was Daniel like special? Was he like gifted and talented spiritually? Or did he just have a system in place that led to those results? It's the small things that nobody sees that leads to the big things that everybody wants. It's the small things that nobody sees that leads to the big things that everybody wants. So let me ask you. This is non-judgmental. I'm just asking questions. Do you pray three times a day? Do you fast weekly, no matter what they put in front of you? If the answer is no, and I'm not, again, I'm not being guilty. If the answer is no, Don't be surprised if you're not like Daniel. Because you wouldn't be that hypocritical person that would expect great results with no work. Like you wouldn't be that foolish person that thinks you could coast through med school without studying. You wouldn't be that person who says, I have a great goal for this year. I'm going to lose 20 pounds and then just sit at home and never go to the gym and eat your donuts. You wouldn't be that person. But somehow spiritually, we think that's okay. That we want to be great. We want to do great, but we don't want to put a system in place and the habits to get there. The small things that no one sees lead to the big things that everyone wants. Whatever the problem is in your life, whatever the goal that you're driving towards in life, I promise you, focus on the system to get you there, not on the goal. So that's number one. We understand the what we want, we don't understand the how to get there. Number two, we don't see progress fast enough why we struggle to see change. We don't see progress fast enough. We're impatient, we're instant gratification. And when we fail to see the results that we want in the time that we want, we end up calling it quits. I won't do a show of hands, but I know the answer to this question. We've all been here. I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna get in shape. I'm in a hardcore diet, and I'm not going to eat after this, and I'm not going to eat that. And I diet, and I diet, and I diet, and I diet for a whole week. And then I go to the gym three times that week, and I'm like, I'm even like the ab roller thing, okay, or the, the, the buns of steel or whatever. And I'm doing that like every single day, and I'm killing it this week. And then I weigh myself at the end of the week, and I lost a half a pound. And I say to myself, what's the point? Maybe you struggle with debt. And you have college loans that have been around, student loans have been around so long, you give them a name. They're like a pet in your house, like this is my pet, you know, whatever, it's the college loan and you owe $35,500 in your college tuition or whatever it may be and you say you know what i'm going to get out of debt and i'm going to stop i'm gonna just do i'm going to stop going to starbucks and i'm going to do the i'm going to drink the free coffee at the office with the peons okay i'm going to be one of those guys who just drinks the free coffee and you are stopping the starbucks you're not going out for lunch you're packing it in there and you say you know by the end of one month you saved $100 at, that from not going out for coffee you saved $100 and you look at your tuition, and instead of owing $35,500, you owe $35,400, and you say, what's the point? Spiritually, you pray every day. You read your Bible. You fast. You give in the money box. You go to church. You're doing the right thing. Then you come home from church, and you get into a huge fight with your spouse. And then the kids drive you crazy, and you lose your cool on them. And you just think to yourself, man, what's the point? What's the point? I did the right thing. I'm still the same person. What's the point? Listen carefully. It's at that point when you have that thought, which you've all had. Listen very carefully. This is very important. It's at that point when you have that thought of what's the point that you may make a critical mistake. And if you make this mistake, which we've all done it, if you allow yourself to make this mistake, you're done. But if you can get past this mistake, you're going to be in good shape. And that mistake, when we think, what's the point? I, I, I didn't go to Starbucks. I'm still in so much debt. I exercised three times this week. I only lost a half a pound. I did the thing spiritually, and it made no difference in my relationship with my kids. Don't make the following mistake. We wrongly conclude, we wrongly, wrongly, wrongly conclude that small decisions don't matter much. That small decisions don't matter much. We think to ourselves, I skipped church. Lightning didn't hit me. Going to church is not that big a deal. We think to ourselves, my kid driving me crazy. Can't get him to be quiet. I just gave him the phone. He didn't go to jail, become a delinquent, not a big deal. To just give him that phone anytime he goes crazy. We think to ourselves, you know what? I know I shouldn't eat that donut. I know I should eat that fruit, but I ate the donut. No heart attack. I didn't see, like, the fat, like, coming over. And we think, no big deal. We mistakenly think that small decisions, whether good or bad, make no difference. Oh, but they do. You may not see the difference in the moment, but you got to realize that the difference, even though it may not be seen, it is being stored. I'll give you an example of how the difference is not seen but it is stored. One of the things on my menu, both my fasting and non-fasting menu, okay, this is kind of across all of them, is a cup of tea. I drink two cups of tea a day. And the reason I drink two cups of tea is because I'm trying, cups of tea, because I'm trying to get away from the dessert, and the only way I can not eat dessert is I drink a cup of tea. That's the way I do it, because I have to do something to clean the palate, that's just the way I was raised, so I clean the palate with the tea. The other thing the tea does it slows me down, because I tend to eat very, very quickly, so, and you can grab it. So, I have to force myself to drink this cup of tea, which is 1,000 degrees. So, that slows me down. By the time I finish, I come to my senses. I don't eat the dessert. How does tea, how does water boil when you're making a cup of tea? You take water and it's room temperature. Okay, so let's say that's 70 degrees. But eventually, you need it to get up to the boiling point, which is 212 degrees. Okay, so you turn that water on the fire, or you have the electric one like we have, you push a little button, and what happens? You don't really see anything happen. You just kind of see water. And then after a minute, you see bubbles. But you would be foolish to think that the water was just same, 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 same bubbles. What happened is you turned the water on 70 degrees and you turned a little fire on and then it went to 71. Then it went to 72. Then it went to 80 and then to 90 and to 100. And you don't see any difference. Okay, especially like me, you're watching, you're waiting, like hurry, 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 hurry. You think if you look at it like the elevator, if you push the button, it'll go faster, right? So you're staring at the water hoping it'll go faster. It looks the same, it looks the same, it looks the same, it looks the same, but is it the same? The small differences are not being thrown away. Just because they're not seen doesn't mean they're not stored. And eventually you hit 212, you get the bubbles and you say, wow, tipping point. And I'm telling you, your life I'm telling you, in every area of your life, I'm telling you, take my word for it, there's a tipping point. You be faithful in the process, and I guarantee you there's a tipping point. Just because you don't see it today, sometimes you gotta wait a while for that tipping point. But you gotta keep going, and you're faithful, and you're faithful, and you'll get there. Let me show you a way to depict this graphically. This is results over time. This is linear line right here, what we think should happen. I think... I should go to the gym, work out. I should be five pounds less the next day. I think that I should, you know, uh, uh, save money, uh, not go to Starbucks. I think my debt should decrease by 10% that day. Like I want to see results and I want to see them now. This is what we think happens. Do you want to know what really happens? This. That's actually more accurate on the way it goes. That oftentimes you don't see anything. And sometimes you may even see negative, but I'm telling you, you stick with the system. You get a good system. You consistently do it. It's just a matter of time before you hit that break point. And you turn a corner. Let me say that another way. Let me give you some examples. No one wrecks their life in one night. No one has a heart attack from one meal. No one develops lung cancer from one cigarette. You may think, oh, that was the disaster. You didn't. No one... It's not one fight that has ruined your marriage. It wasn't that one Thanksgiving that put the distance between you and your son. It's not one bad investment that led you to the debt that you're in financially. It wasn't. I know we think it was. We tend to overestimate the value and the importance of these massive events, these life-altering events, but we minimize the importance of the small, consistent ones over time. Most likely, if you are in an area where you're seeing failure or struggling or whatever it may be, it wasn't one night. You know what it was? It was a little compromise here. And then a little corner cut here. And then a little, you know, uh, justification or rationalization here. And then a little selfishness here. And then a little here, and a little here, and and then I look back and say, oh, that big mistake that I made, no, 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 no. Wasn't a big mistake. But you know what? Same with the opposite. There are many people who are successful in this world in many areas of life. I'm sure there are some which are the exception where I'm about to say, but I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone who is successful in any area of life that made it overnight. I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone who's, who's successfully successful with their children, just kind of born that way and just kind of one night they took them to Disney World and they were five and that's it, they were kind of good for life. I don't know anyone who like had a great honeymoon and their marriage is just coasting for the rest of their life. I don't know anyone who just like went to a really great church service and they're just coasting through life based on that. The people who are successful are the ones who, you know what, I'm going to church every week. But it's, it's, you're tired, I'm going to church. But you had a busy week, I'm going to church. This is my favorite, but it's raining outside. The church is inside, who cares if it's raining outside? We have a roof, I'm going to church. People who are successful financially, small decisions. I give God before I give myself. I sacrifice myself before I sacrifice anything else. So you know what? I really want that cup of coffee. But you know what? Drink, like I said, the free one. I really want that new gadget. Nope, got to do the right thing financially. I really want a new car. Can't afford it. The people who are successful financially, small decisions over time. The people who end life with a good reputation are not the people who never face temptation, but it's the people Who said, I will go above reproach. I will be beyond. I will not go near the edge of the mountain. I will not put myself in a situation with someone of the opposite sex. I will not put myself in a situation with someone of the opposite sex that could be misconstrued, misunderstood, or I could be tempted beyond what I am able. Those are the people who are successful. Not the people who are just lucky. Not just the people who just happen to to, to walk into it. It's the people who have systems. Say, I will not allow myself to be in a situation where I may make a mistake. I will walk above reproach. I will not play with fire. St. Paul says it this way. Galatians 6, 9 is kind of our theme verse for this series. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And you can multiply that by minus one, and the same is true on the inverse. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap, and the same is true. If we are doing bad, we shall reap that as well. Just because you don't see the reaping of the bad today, you will eventually with time. Like I said, it wasn't one cigarette that led to lung cancer. It wasn't one uh, french fry that led to the heart attack. You will reap the bad and you will reap the good. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap. Let's recap. First reason why we struggle to change. Because we understand the what. We don't understand the how. And it's more than what. We all have the same what. We, don't, we have to understand the how. Number two, we're impatient. We don't see progress fast enough, so we think there's no, there's no big deal with the little changes that don't make that big a difference. Then our third reason, and this one's gonna take a little bit of explanation. Follow me here on this one. Our distorted identity sabotages our success. Our distorted identity sabotages our success. Let me explain what I mean here. When we fail, which is inevitable, we will fail, the enemy will whisper into our ear and try to convince us that not just you failed, but you are a failure. That's what his job is. He doesn't care that you failed. Like that's good that you failed, but that's not his goal. His goal is to convince you, you are a failure. Let's go back to the verse that St. Paul said earlier from Romans 7, where St. Paul is saying, I'm struggling here. What I will to do, I do not do. And what I will not to do, that's what I practice. Look what happens to St. Paul. It happens to all of us, happen to him as well. Okay, let's start in verse 19. That's the verse we read early. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the, now the, but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Watch, watch this now. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. O wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death?" You see what happened there? Happens to all of us, including St. Paul, because he was a human just like us. The enemy connects your failure with your identity. That I failed in this, and I failed in this, so therefore I'm a failure. I'm no good. I'll never be any good. You tried to quit smoking and you couldn't. You're never gonna be able to, because you're a failure. You tried to get out of debt, you didn't. You tried a million times. You're never gonna be able to. You're just never going to be able to make good decisions. You're never going to be able to be healthy. You're never going to get your relationship back with your kid. You're never going to have a happy marriage. You're never going to be good spiritually. Like you're always going to lose your temper. You're never going to be anything. He wants to connect it to our identity. Again, as I said earlier, I'm sure there's exceptions to this rule that I'm about to say. I'm sure there is. I'm not an exception to this. And I don't know anyone who's an exception to this. I don't know anyone who doesn't struggle with their identity. I don't know anyone, especially a great person for God, who did anything great for God, who didn't at some point feel like I'm inferior to what God is asking me to do? Like I'm not good enough. Like Moses. Moses brought water from a rock, Moses brought food from heaven, Moses split the sea. But Moses, when God called him, Moses was like, I can't do that. I'm not a good leader. Not a good leader? Man, who's a better leader than Moses? Let two million Middle Easterners through the desert. Somehow they survived. Yeah, they got lost a few times, but I mean, come on. Like who's a better leader than Moses? Moses said, I'm not good enough. Gideon took down with 300 soldiers, an army of thousands and tens of thousands. What, what Gideon says, I'm not a good fighter. You're not a good fighter. You took 300 against 10,000. That's not a good fighter. I mean, you're the best fighter on there is. Jeremiah, I'm inexperienced. I can't be a prophet. No, you're a pretty good prophet. You're the best of all the prophets. I don't know anyone who did anything great for God, who fulfilled God's plan for their life, who didn't at some point say, I'm just not good enough. So if that's you, I'm not good enough. Don't let the devil convince you of that. You know how it works? There's a cycle. The cycle is this, an unhealthy identity creates unhealthy habits and then unhealthy habits reinforce the unhealthy identity. Identity leads to habits or systems and habits lead back to identity. What do I mean by that? What I mean is if you don't see yourself as a healthy person, I'm not a health I'm not an in-shape person. I'm not that guy. Then you know what? You're going to be faced with the decision at the buffet line that all of us are faced with, okay? The stinky salad at the beginning or the good stuff at the end, and you're going to say, "Well, you know what? I'm not a healthy person. I'm not an in-shape person." So, you're going to make decisions based on your identity of who you are. It's exactly like it's a classic example of the kid who thinks he's dumb. Okay, you're dumb, you're never gonna be any good. You're dumb, you're never gonna be any good. You're dumb, you're never gonna be any good. Hey, it's time to study. What's the point of studying? I'm dumb, I'm never gonna be any good. And then he doesn't study. And then he gets a bad grade. And that reinforces his identity, which is, he's dumb. I read a study. There's a group of people who are trying to help people, or trying to study Like people who are trying to quit smoking, people who are trying to quit smoking, and some people are more successful than others. And they studied people, okay, they had the group together, and they divided them kind of into two groups, and they kind of gave them this assignment. One group of people was told, when somebody offers you a cigarette, okay, so there's a group of us, and we're all trying to quit smoking. You offer me a cigarette. One group would say, no, I'm sorry, I'm trying to quit smoking. The other group would say, no, I don't smoke anymore. Which one do you think was more successful in quitting smoking? The group that said, I'm trying to quit smoking. What was their identity of themselves? A smoker, a smoker who is trying and they oftentimes relapsed. The other guy who said, I don't smoke anymore. His identity was, smoking is in my past. Smoking is like the junior high me, but that's not the me now. Now I'm a non-smoker. I'm a non-smoker right now. And those people found much greater success. So because of that, here's our challenge for today. And I'm gonna challenge you today to do something, I know this is gonna be hard, but this is important. This is important because we're starting the new year, like I said in the beginning, we're starting the new year, we're trying to make changes, we don't wanna just go, like let's not just make more dumb resolutions that we fail after after, after two weeks. Like we need to stop that cycle. So if we wanna stop that cycle, we need to do something different. So I'm gonna challenge you that before you set your goals, your resolutions, that I wanna lose 20 pounds, that I wanna start this habit, Like before you do that of the what it is that you want, start with your identity and specifically, Before asking what you want to do, ask who you want to become. And I'm telling you that's a game changer. I promise you, that's a game changer. If you start with identity, you start with who, not do. The goal is not to read more books. The goal is, I'm a reader. The goal is not to run a race. The goal is, I'm a runner, I'm an athlete. The goal is not to say a prayer, even to say a prayer every day. The goal is, I'm a man of prayer. My identity, not just what I wanna do, who do I wanna be? Not just I wanna get out of debt, I wanna be a faithful steward of the resources that God has given me. I wanna be generous with my money. I want to give before I spend. I want to be faithful that God looks at what he gave me and God says, I gave it to a faithful steward. That's who I want to be. I want to be an involved dad. I don't want to say, I want to spend one night a week with my kid. I want to say, I want to be an involved father. I want to be a father. Listen carefully if you've got young kids. I want to be a father who when my children are old enough to not have to spend time with me that they want to spend time with me. That's always my measure of success, is that when they're out of the house, that they actually want to come back. I want to be a spouse who's encouraging, who's supportive, who's loving. I want to be a spouse who's a joy to come home to. When you know who, you'll know what to do. When you know who, you'll know what to do. You walk out of here and say, we said there's a young adult barbecue here today. You walk out of here today and you say, I am a healthy person. I am a healthy person. I am a healthy person. You gonna walk up to that buffet line. As a healthy person, choose M&Ms or apple slices. You walk out of here and say, I want to be a man of God or a woman of God or a person of God or what a child of God. You wake up tomorrow morning, child of God. Opens the phone, checks the email, or opens the prayer book. Child of God, spends more time on the Facebook or reading the good book. Your identity shapes your actions. So who are you? What's your identity? Who you want to be? You can be anyone you want to be. Remember when we were kids? I want to be a fireman. I want to be a spaceman. I want to be a basketball player. I want to be a priest. You know, I'm mean? like, oh, all the stuff that kids talk about. Who you want to be? I'm asking you. I'm not telling you. Don't tell me who you are. Tell me who you want to be. You can be anyone you want to be. You can be anyone you want. It may For some, it may take some more work to get there, but you can be anyone you want to be. What's your identity? Who, what do you want people to say about you? What do you want people to say about you at work? Oh, no, that person is A. Fill in the blank. What do you want? What you want to be? Man of integrity? Honesty? Hard worker? Or the corner cutting guy? Or the talks about himself the whole time guy? Or the oblivious to what everyone thinks about him guy? Like, who do you want to be? You get to choose. What do you want your children to say about you? What do you want your wife to say about you? What do you want your husband to say about you? What do you want God to say about you? You get to choose. And once you choose, once you choose who? The do becomes a lot easier i leave you with this verse. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And this is your chance. Summer's winding down. Here comes the school year. You get a chance. All things new. Don't tell me who you were. I know who you were. Tell me who it is that you want to be. And tell me who it is that you are going to. Because next week, like I said, we're going to start putting some systems in place. So you tell me who it is that you want to be. And I tell you, I don't care how deep your pit is, you can get out of your pit. I don't care how far you have fallen, you can turn it around. I don't care how difficult your situation may be. Man, we are going to plug away. We're going to, like the water boiling. We're going to go from 70 to 80 to 90 to 100. And you're going to, be, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. But we're going to, we're going to keep on working. And we're going to keep on working because we know that successful people do consistently what other people only choose to do Occasionally, my prayer for this series, that you will be inspired to live new and come up with a plan to get you there. Let's stand together and say a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you from the bottom of our heart. We thank you, Lord, that you give us a chance to be new that you throw in front of us, Lord, a chance to be a new creation in you, that you make all things new and old things pass away. Lord, I pray that you would inspire us to believe that you want to do something great this coming year in our homes, in our hearts, in our families, in our relationships, Lord. Help us to believe that you got something great for us and to be ready to do whatever it takes to get there. We pray this in the name of your Son